Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on The Way Podcast today. Uh, today, I'm joined by Shane Hickey. Hi, Shane. How are you doing, Ben? Not bad. Uh, let's talk for just a second. Um, Shane is actually goes to my church here. It's uh, St. Mark's in Comanche. Uh, tell everybody what you do. I am the lay servant. So basically, I'm right underneath you, Ben. <clears throat> uh, I've been fortunate enough to give a few sermons, which mm-hmm. uh, really enlightened me. And um, basically to, you know, hold you up and keep keep you from standing, which I enjoy. But before that, it was a church I went to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Same church. Um, actually was baptized at first. Okay. But all my memories are at St. <clears throat> Mark's and Comanche. So, you know, I traveled here and there and wasn't a every Sunday goer. And, you know, about five years ago, I turned that corner. And definitely three years ago, I jumped into the hands of Christ and crossed over for good. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us here today. And what we're going to be doing today uh, is the way podcast, the, the main reason we do what we do is so everybody gets to go through the scripture with us. And what we're going to do is we're reading through the book of Mark right now. Today is going to be chapter 13. We'll just read through it and discuss a little bit about what's going on. And uh, make sure to join us on our companion podcast, The Other Way, uh, which we'll actually release simultaneously with this as well. Today, in going through Mark chapter 13, we are actually nearing the cross itself. Uh, Shane, could you do me a favor and read verses 1 through 2? As he was leaving the temple... One of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Hmm. That's a pretty impressive thing to say. And I mean, to be honest, it's a little bit scary. You know, and I, I remember when I was a teenager driving into Chicago, I just, I'd constantly be breaking my neck trying to look at the buildings, you know? Uh, but to go into a glamorous and glorious place, and I, I know obviously it wasn't the size of Chicago the way it is now, but right. uh, you know, there's very impressive, beautiful buildings that were made there. Right. And we often get uh, impressed with uh, the buildings themselves and the material things, but we forget what's going on. Uh, what do you take away from these two verses? Um, what I take away from these is, like you say, like you're rolling into a big say that you've been before or you go to St. Louis and you see the arch and yeah. and that and it's like what a great you know monument but you know automatically when Jesus says that you know that there's you know something wrong going on in there yeah yeah for him to say that it's going to be nothing but rubble yeah and we look at it and a lot of times we we aim too low we we start looking at the physical things rather than what should be but in this, there's actually, it's a bit of a prophecy because we understand that not too long after this, that there was destruction in Jerusalem. They pretty much dismantled the temple. There's very little of it left. Um, I, I think that's one of those things that goes over a lot of times. We forget this as a prophecy that Jesus looked at it and knew, hey, this was going to happen. This is going to happen. So don't become too enamored with the physical things knowing that there's something greater coming. And I think that's definitely the, the thing we need to look at going forward. Um, I'll read through the, the next few verses here. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple complex, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? 
What would be the sign that all these things are taking place? And Jesus began telling them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. And they will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place. But it is not yet. For the nation will rise up against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. And these are the beginning of birth pains. You know, a lot of times, Shane, that these particular verses, people look out and they say, oh, well, the end of the world is coming, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here we are in 2017. Wasn't it supposed to end in 2012? And you know, before <laughs> that, and then like 2001 or something like that. Or, right. right. Or it, no, 99 going into 2000 because everything was going to crash. Right. And everybody every, was worried. Every system wasn't. Ready for 2000. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's the Y2K, the Mayan calendar, yeah. the random people that predict that, hey, this is this and that's that. And, you know, we wanted to, to agree that, you know, they want to call everybody the Antichrist, whether it's, you know, Hitler or whether it's uh, the latest president to, to be elected or, or the guy who was there last. You know, everybody wants to point fingers at who that is. And all these are signs. Now, granted, earthquakes and wars seem to be constant. I mean, these things are always there. Um, And nations against nations and kingdom against kingdoms. So these things are always kind of happening, but they want to know, hey, when is this going to happen? When is this going to get to it? And I think we always want to know that too. We always want to prepare for the end. I mean, as we speak, there's high tensions in North Korea and they're, they're talking about, you know, dropping bombs and wiping this off the face of the earth and that too. And anybody we don't like, there's the angry. Right. We're going to make them disappear. But Jesus actually replies to this. He says, but be on your guard. They'll hand you over to the Sanhedrin. They're going to send you to the authorities. And that's pretty rough. He says, you'll be flogged in the synagogues. Whoa, 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 Jesus, where's the good news? Come on, right? <laughs> and you'll stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness unto them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. So even when those things get in the way, we still have to do this. This is a, some people actually cower just not wanting to talk to their friends about it. You know, this is a strange thing to me. I've noticed this recently. I think evangelism turns everybody into 14-year-old boys. Have you noticed that? Yes, definitely. But if I ask her out, I'll be in the friend zone, and then we won't talk anymore. We're going to argue about this. But to be honest, if you really love them, and you knew what they were being saved from, it would be a much more important conversation for you to have, right? Yes. And honestly, there's a lot of people that I have friends that are very non-religious, and they don't want to know. They don't talk to me about that. Okay. Well, when you're ready to talk about it, we'll talk. Mm -hmm. But until then, words aren't necessary. I'll just keep acting in the way that I act. Well, I just had that experience a few days ago because mm-hmm. I went and I talked to my <clears throat> friend Dave, who's having the, the sale. That's and uh, when we're going through the the Bibles and the religious stuff, and he says, you know, this is for sissies and wimps, and so yeah. I went into him yesterday, and I said, you know, is it all right if uh, I let my pastor know? You know, is it all right if we kind of clear that stuff out he might be interested in it I said I know you're not into all that stuff and he goes well you know we did go to some churches and 
churches turned them away. Churches looked down on them mm-hmm. and this and that. And I just said, he just had to find the right church. And so he, he then he, he opened up to me then. Yeah. And I didn't think he ever would after yeah. hearing him say that more on one more than one occasion. So we got to actually physically say, and he says, you know, I don't not believe. He yeah. goes, it's just the way I've been treated. You know, you go to this church, you got to do this thing. You go to this church, you got to do that thing. It's all a little different. And, it's, and everything's a little different. Yeah. And I just looked at him and I said, you got everything that you need <clears throat> and you know where it came from. Yeah. And and the weird thing is that a lot of times people aren't mad at God. And it's not that they don't believe in God. They just don't believe in the people that tried to share God with them. Exactly. Or the way they did. Exactly. And And... There's so many times people come out of it with the, the wrong end first. You know, right. they're like, you're going to burn in hell and this and that and the other thing. Well, he did. These churches were down in, you know, South Carolina and North Carolina. So it was a little bit more of the Bible Belt type. Yeah. Type of, you and, know. Yeah. There's a lot of good churches and bad churches, no matter how you go about it, really. Yep. But the the thing of it is we all need to learn to be a little bit kinder. You know, you can actually say the right thing in the wrong way and still be wrong. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's a huge deal. That's a really huge deal. But you know what? Even when we face those moments, a lot of times you'll actually find out people will actually be honest with you and say, this is what the actual issue is. I'm not mad at God. I'm mad at God's people. Right. And I'm sure I've been that at times, and people have been that for me. Uh, we had, uh, there was a, a woman I know who was told it was God's way of keeping her legal when she had uh, a miscarriage before she was married. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most awful things you can say to someone when they're broken and hurting like that. I've seen terrible things come out of churches in that way, but it's not God. It's not God that, that does that to them and messes them up. It's us usually. It's our judgments and our, our wrong thinking that goes about it. And as it stands, God loves us more than that, more than our mistakes. We need to know that for sure. And see, he quips us in these hard times, and that's exactly what he gets to in the next verse. He's like, you're worried about what you're going to say and how it's going to sound, right? This is what I was talking about with 14-year-old little boys. Well, right. <laughs> well, maybe if you wouldn't mind, like, could you possibly, well, prom is next week, and then I don't know. Do you do you like sports? Do you like baseball? Okay, um, And they just do everything but ask the question. They tiptoe around it. But Jesus says, when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry about what you're going to say. On the contrary, whatever is given to you in that hour, say it. For it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Then brother will... That I mean, that's a big thing. You know what? You know the story of Serenob de Bergerac? You've heard that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I like the Steve Martin version of it called Roxanne. <laughs> the guy's, guy's got the really long, big nose, and they all make fun of him. And yep. he's got all the right words and all the romantic things to say. And, man, they just fall in love with him, but they can't see him past his face, right? Right. But you know, this isn't like Sarno behind the bush trying to whisper all the right things for you to say. This here is God himself saying, don't worry, I got this. When you're up there and you feel like I've got nothing to say, I got you. But he said, then brother will betray brother to death and a father, his child. Children will raise up against parents and put them to death. And you'll be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. Well, that deliverance 
what they're delivered from. Ooh. That's a crazy thing. So he's saying that There's... this world is going to get crazy. And then you keep adding the er to the crazy, right? Right. It's <laughs> ongoing. Which, you know, lately seems like it's been crazier. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you step out, then it just, it gets harder and harder. And just when you think you got it right, oh, it just rains, doesn't it? Yep. It pulls. It's kind of like the situation here. It was mm-hmm. perfect. And then he s- slowed down and was like, you know, I saved up all this money. Yeah. I got enough for the first month's rent down payment. Yeah. Go in and he says, I'm going to open up this whole shop. So Mm -hmm. we need to stay out of here for a while. So, but I, the other day, um, going ahead to what you just said, Mm -hmm. you'll be protected by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Instead of, I prayed to God to have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's our connection. Yeah. I said, just have him guide me in the right way. Yeah. Have him guide me to this place. Have him guide me to that place. Have him guide me to the right place. And it was answered. Yeah, there you go. And it's it's all about the next step. And he gives you what's needed yeah, for the day. he gives you, and it's, you know, it's, it's sad to think that, you know, I would put my father up and try to have him, you know, <clears throat> Yeah, and, and jailed or whatever because he doesn't believe the same thing I believe. And, you know, it seems wacky here, but that sort of stuff does happen. There are people uh, that have existed in certain parts of the world that all they ever get is like one page or two pages of the Bible. And there's been stories of martyrs who would only give that information to their children upon their death or their dying. When they know they're going, they give that to their child because they are persecuted. And they're afraid that their child might send them over. I recently, on on Easter this year, um, I watched a movie called Silence. And not a lot of people have heard of it. It's a, a, I believe, a Scorsese film, if I'm right. Stars uh, um, Andrew Garfield, the guy who played Kylo Ren, I can't remember his name, (laughs) and Liam Neeson. And it's about um, the persecution of Christians in Japan in the 1600s. And it shows the horrific things that they went against and how one would be selling out other Christians just for an extra 15 silver pieces, you know, even more for a priest. And it was crazy. But these things still exist in the world today. We get comfortable here in the U.S., you know, and I think a lot of the times we, you know, we call the Holy Spirit the comforter. But why do you need a comforter if you're already comfortable? You made yourself comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. But in other parts of the world, this is a serious issue, and it does still happen. So this prediction that he gives, that, yeah, I'll take care of you, but you have to stand strong. You can't be concerned about what other people think of you. You have to be concerned about God first. Could you read verses 14 um, all the way down to 23? When you see the abomination that... Causes desolation, standing where it does not belong. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of this house go down or enter the house to take anything out. 
let no one in the field go back to the to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in the winter, because those will be days of disaster of distress. Unequated from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. Yeah. And if anybody tells you, look, here's the Messiah, look there, don't believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. And you I must watch. I have told you everything in advance. Now, this is, this is something where he's talking about a great tribulation. Now, everybody kind of sees this as, a, as the great uh, rising up. This is actually can be understood in two ways. Number one. What happened in Israel shortly after the uh, shortly after Christ was raised? I believe it was eighty sixties. Um, I'm a little off of my time right now, but right in that time, uh, Rome actually came through, and not only did they knock down the temple, right? Not only did they knock down those great magnificent buildings, but there were slaughters of priests. Just one bodies piled up on bodies, and it was a terrifying thing. There are accounts that are actually written, I believe, by um, by Josephus and uh, Herodotus, I believe. I can't. That may not be the right name, so I apologize if I'm wrong. So uh, you can correct me in the show notes if you want to. Um, but all these things were happening, and it's. Can you imagine something so terrible you can't even go back and get your car keys or, or drink of water on the way out? You just see it coming, and it's gone. And he's telling you that during those times, those big tribulation times, those big turbulent problems, there are going to be people that stand up and profess they know. And they're going to do great things and wonderful stuff is going to go on. And some of them will be false. They're going to predict that they are the Messiah and many will be false. But it says, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. And the stars will be falling from the sky, and the celestial powers will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He will send out angels, angels and gather elect from the four winds, from each end of the earth to the end of the sky. Now here he seems to be pointing specifically not just at the Jerusalem destruction, but the ultimate destruction. And, and here is one of those things, do we take it literally or figuratively? that the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light and the stars will be falling from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. Can you imagine something so big happen that it affects the way the stars show to us or the moon or the sun? And yet he said in that day is when the son of man, is, which is the way he refers to himself, uh, meaning it's the best that heaven has to offer. Um, actually, let's just take a second to explain that. Because the Son of Man and the Son of God, 
in ancient times don't mean the exact same thing that we do. Now, son of God, we literally mean he is the progeny. He is the actual child of God uh, made between God and, and the Virgin Mary. But son of, Ma- or son of God actually applied to emperors. Many of them would call themselves like the Pharaoh would be Pharaoh, son of God, or Nero, son of God, which actually applied to be a specific thing. And it didn't mean what you think it means. What it meant was this person is the highest form of humanity and the best we can show the heavens to express the, hey, look, we're good down here. We know what we're doing. Son of man would actually mean the opposite. It would actually be something akin to, hey, this is an example from from heaven. This is the best that heaven has to offer. So follow this guy to do what he's to do. So Jesus refers to himself in this way, the son of man often. He said, I'll be coming in the the clouds with great power and glory that I'll send the angels and gather the elect, gather his, uh, those who've actually chosen to be with him uh, to the four winds and those that he has chosen as well. And um, he'll gather them and from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Oof. That's a, that's a crazy thing. So snatching us right out of the air. Maybe out of space itself, if we if we go beyond Earth, right? Yep. There's a whole lot there. Uh, do you want to read uh, verses 28 through 31? Twenty-eight through thirty-one. Yeah, twenty-eight through thirty-one. Now learn this lesson from the <clears throat> fig tree. As soon as it, it as its twigs get tender and it's leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you this: the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So, what are you getting out of that? What is he saying there? So I think he's saying, yeah. you know, learn the lesson by uh, going through and showing your faith towards him mm-hmm. by uh, not following the false prophets, by not this and. All the stuff's going to happen and seem mm-hmm. bad and horrible. And if you still don't turn your back on me, then things are good. Things are going to start happening. Yeah. It's almost like a revitalization of, you know, let's almost like a let's start back over and. Yeah, and and there's a in this whole section leading up to this point, it's definitely a, yeah, stay true to your faith, to know it and and to believe it. It's not just hope, but it's knowing. But when he's talking here, learn the parable of the fig tree. So in Iowa, where we're at, it's uh, uh, in July, the corn will be high as a elephant's eye, right? And, and that's, that's how we know that it's ready to grow, right? Right. That's when, when all the people are out there detasseling and topping corn, right? Right. And, and at that time, we know that, hey, it won't be too long before it's sweet corn season, Right won't be too long before the pigs will be getting fat, right? 
So that's kind of what we look for in this way. And he's like, hey, if you understand how a fig tree works, you know the signs to look for before it starts blooming, right? But he's like, if you know what things to look for, you'll actually know right when it's there. He says, but this is the thing. He's saying all this earthly stuff. And I mean, this is where the whole chapter begins that, oh, not one brick left on another. He's like, you're looking at physical things. Right. Don't worry. Keep your eye up here. Keep your eyes up here. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that is just a, a, a great thing here. Um, in martial arts, they, they uh, I remember a few people who used to teach this back in the 90s, they'd say, um, an obstacle is what you see when you take your eye off the goal. You ever heard that one? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of those great sports metaphors yes. really that runs out there. But when, when we look at it, I mean, this is essentially what he's getting at. Don't worry about these obstacles. Know that I'm coming. I got this. You see the parallel between what he's talking about when you're standing in front of authorities and what he's talking about here with all this destruction? Yeah, he's sitting with you. Sitting right there with you. All the time. All the time. God is good even when the situation is bad. Yep. There's uh, one of our professors told a a story about um, kind of a a young pup who is uh, in just out of seminary, goes to this big mega church and he's working alongside of this pastor. And this guy's wife had cancer and she was dying and they were just distraught. And, you know, she goes back and still not gone, still not gone, comes back and eventually it's healed. And he said, God is so good. I am so glad. God, you are so good right now. And the pastor didn't, didn't say amen. He turned around and grabbed that kid by his tie and he said, God is good even when she's got cancer. Even at the worst of times, he's able to say that. And that's, that's exactly the kind of faith that he's looking at here because it's not, it's, it's not a hope. It's true. It's a knowledge. It's an expectation. Well, faith makes everything possible, but not easy. Right. That's true. That's true. Now, getting into our next section here, there's, um, I don't know if you remember, but there were like, there's this one guy... Uh, I can't even remember his name. I'd prefer not to say it if I knew it. Okay. Um, but he just loved Jesus. He just really loved Jesus, wanted to do the right thing. And he thought he picked up on these signs and compared them and overlaid them to the newspapers and the signs of the time. And he just, he thought this day, this time, here's going to happen. This day, this time. It was like three or four predictions and he's like, I'm done. I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't blame him either, but for me, it, it kind of, I look at this and I'm like, didn't he read this part? Didn't he read verse 32 on Mark 13? Uh, <laughs> this is such a, a big spot for me. It, it says, now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels nor the sun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What just happened there? He just said. I don't even know. Right. He's waiting on the Father, right? Except for the Father. Watch and be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It's like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his slaves, and gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Keep on watch now, right? Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, 
or early in the morning. Otherwise, he might come suddenly and find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. Now, we, we know what comes next, huh? There's roosters, there's sleeping servants, and people that should be watching the gate. Yep. But what happens there, Shane? <laughs> they all fall asleep. They all fall asleep. Yep. Time and time again. Right. There's, there's a lot of paintings of the picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. And one of the things that I love is I, I love great artists. And uh, I fancy myself a terrible painter. I like it that way. But when I look at the Garden of Gethsemane, I need some when I look at that, that garden mm-hmm. and that painting, especially the one we have on the altar at St. Mark's, yes, a lot of people don't see it because the, the light's always the shining on Jesus, but the three are always in the background. Yeah. Peter, James, and John are always taking a nap in the background, and we immortalize it in paintings constantly. So I urge you, next time you see it, to look for Peter, James, and John in almost every depiction you'll find, whether it's small and off to the corner, hiding in the shadows, or some other way. You'll actually see those three hanging out. It's a staple of Western art. But in that same way, they actually depict it specifically. We're looking for this thing. Be alert. And, you know, it's a little bit of foreshadowing to what they would do, but it's also a warning to us as Christians. He says, couldn't you stay awake for an hour? Come on, get with the program, right? <laughs> right. He's like, so what's going on here? But in the meantime, we have our entire lives to be alert. Now, Shane, people want to know, when is the, the end of the, when does it all get in? When's the end of the world? Any clue? No clue. Don't want to make a prediction? I don't even want to make a prediction. Here's what I know. When Jesus returns, he'll, he'll return when the Father tells him to. More importantly, here's the scary thing. The end of the world happens for thousands of people every single day. And when that happens, we have to be on alert because we don't know the next car ride, mm-hmm. the next crossing of the street, the next time you put the, the toast in the toaster right? Well, we'd prefer you not to have one hand in the faucet, one on the toaster, right? Come on now. (laughs) But when when we, we we never know what's going to take us, right? Right. Could be a sneeze and a heart attack and then you're gone. But we always need to remain on point. We always need to be alert and keep an eye out for that. Knowing that the end of the world could come for us today. But when Jesus returns, that's another issue entirely. So many of us today may not even see it. It's, it's an odd thing to think about, but you know, for the last 2,000 years, everybody thought, well, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But the entirety of the gospel, and especially the gospel of St. Mark, we have this tension of what's called now and not quite yet. So the kingdom is near, he says, but not quite yet. Yep. And the kingdom of heaven is here, but not but quite not yet. yet. And your salvation is here. Not quite yet. <laughs> uh so we always have this this uh, building and growing to do in the meantime until it is our time to go home and until this this call happens, till till Jesus comes back and and restores the world in in this way. So it's it's a strange thing to see here, but is there something you saw in the overall chapter that just kind of hit you today? Yes, it's uh <clears throat> 
basically what I get out of it is one thing you're wasting your time worrying about it mm-hmm. which is a major thing just oh, keep yeah. on keep on doing what you're doing let tomorrow worry for itself exactly today is today thank God I woke up today thank God I'm talking to you today yeah. um, and you know the more people that learn that which there's people panicking right now it's going to be the end of the world because of all this stuff going on right settle down now settle down right right you know when China says they're going to step in and take care of Syria we don't have nothing to worry about then and right. and, and but that's not a good I'm, not, I'm right of course that's not a good We're I don't not, want nothing I don't want I don't want no whole hatred towards right we don't want anybody war. we don't want war but there always is war there always has been war and I don't think there's there's not going to be an end until he comes back until and then he's got a war that nobody the wants part of. The sun and all that's gone, and then he'll come down with the angels and take who he wants. Yeah, and it's it's a crazy thing to think about it because we always want assurance, right? We want to know where that next step is. Right. And we either think we have more than enough time or not enough time, and there's really rarely any in between on that for people. Mm-hmm. So you know, Jer- Jesus does a, a a great thing all the time, and. He tells us, and he tells us honestly, if, if I knew, I'd probably tell you. It's that simple, right? But what do the angels say when they direct, direct people? What's the first thing they usually say? Fear not. Fear not. And that's the sort of thing we really need to take hold of and run with. See, Jesus shows us in this chapter, I think, that our perspective is too low. Now, just for example... Uh, now, not everybody's the same, but I would say the majority of people don't take that moment to lay on their back and look at the clouds in the sky. It's just not a human thing to do once you turn 20 years old. Nobody does that anymore. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> but most people don't actually look up that high. Snoopy. Right? Right. Do you hang pictures on your ceiling or do you put them on the wall? You put them on the wall, right? Eye level. Abstract. Abstract. Well, that is a thing. Yes, I, <laughs> Shane has a crooked mirror in his house. It's funny. <laughs> no, it's abstract. It's abstract. He has an abstract mirror in his house. But you know, we actually put things at a, at a level that we'd be normal with. But we rarely, rarely look up. And in that same way, we're looking at all these beautiful buildings, and he's like, "Don't be concerned with the buildings. Be concerned with heaven. Don't be concerned with how your body's going to be suffered. Be concerned with the one who can destroy your soul." Right. These are the things that Jesus tells us over and over again. And if, if God tells you, and if he wants more for you than you want for yourself, then you got to heed these things. you got to pay attention. You know what? The body's not much of anything to worry about. You know, We take care of what we can take care of, and we leave it in his hands for anything else. And that's exactly what we're aiming for, just to do the best we can with what we can. Well, everybody, I wanted to thank you for joining us today on The Way Podcast. Please join us on our companion podcast, The Other Way. And I'll be joining Shane with that in just a few moments. So feel free to download that as well. I hope you everybody uh, has a, a time this week, not just to let us listen or to listen to us read the scripture, but to actually get in there and experience it for yourself. What does it say to you? You know, what does this overview help? Maybe God's using that one word, one word, just to help you out, to be careful, to be cautious, to keep an eye out for those things. But don't worry yet today. Well, go in grace and peace. That means make peace with God so you can be his grace in this world. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Let's pray our way out today. Good Father, thank you for all that you've done for us today. I thank you for your wonderful blessings. I thank you for your son and the sacrifice he gave us 
I thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit, which empowers us and moves us. It's that same power that conquered the grave that lives in us, Lord. And we just invite that Holy Spirit to stay in us, stay home, and that keep our lives clean so he can remain. Father, we thank you for all the wonderful things you have done. And we wait in great expectation for what you'll do next. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.